Welcome to the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. First-hand and real-time experience, stories, advice, and lessons learned. Some the hard way by me, a former player, lifelong fan, and now dad and coach. This is episode number 10, Maximizing Player and Team Development with the Ideal Team Size. What's up, everybody? I'm Kevin Burke, and this is the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. Good to be back with you again this week, and this is episode number 10. So maybe that's not a huge milestone, but for me, it seems like it is because for two reasons, people are still listening, <laughs> and um, I am, I've reached the double digits. So that's just a big milestone, I guess, psychologically for me. So I appreciate everybody listening. I really do every week, whether you get the newsletter or whether you find me on iTunes or Spotify or Google Podcasts. Please uh, continue to listen. Make sure you subscribe, rate, leave a comment, and share with a friend. Today, I want to talk about maximizing player and team development with the ideal team size. And, and what I mean is the number of people on your team can either positively or negatively influence the development of not only the individual players, but the team as well. And some, you know, some might, may say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter, one or two extra. And it, and it really does, especially for the younger ages. Um, the other thing is the reason I want to talk about this now is because coaches are looking for either additional players, maybe to replace players. Parents are looking for maybe to move to a new team, or maybe they're just getting into, um, quote, select baseball. And so tryouts are happening. I'm seen, I've seen a lot of activity over the last few weeks on the various Facebook groups that I'm a part of advertising tryouts for the upcoming season. So um, I want to talk about this just for a minute. Again, this is really geared towards, I would say, ages 13 and under, maybe even 12 and under. Absolutely for, uh, well, I'm just going to break it down. So <clears throat> I think the fewest people you have on your team, the better. Obviously, you got to have at least nine or 10, however many you play with. If you, if you think back, though, in organized baseball, like what we, quote, used to have, right? Dizzy Dean, Dixie Youth, Little League, Babe Ruth, Cal Ripken, there are a lot of restrictions. Some of them are good, and some of them were meant to be good and then turned out to not be so good. One of the things is having to have a set roster. So um, it actually kept – where I'm from here, we had mostly Dizzy Dean, but it's you know it's pretty much the same everywhere. Um, I actually wrote – one of my very first posts was talking about kind of the downfall of Dizzy Dean and, and just organized youth sports – uh, the way we used to know it. So if you um, are new to to me and to the Elbow Up newsletter, you'll I'll, I'll put uh, some notes in the in the episode, the show notes, and on the newsletter. But um, I talk about some of the some of the crazy rules that I think were meant to help the players and help the game, but turned out really to be a detriment to the game and the players. But if you think back to having to have like a set roster. Um, you actually had to have enough players to where if somebody got hurt throughout the course of the season, if somebody got sick, um, <clears throat> you couldn't just pick up somebody, right? So maybe in coach pitch where you played 10 at a time, most teams really wanted to carry 12. I, you know, you saw people with, with 11, but for the most part, teams carried 12. And that way they had a sub. And then if somebody got hurt or if maybe somebody went on vacation – uh, they wouldn't have to forfeit. And those those organizations were very strict. If if you fell below a certain number, you had to forfeit and you couldn't pick anybody up. And so 
what we're seeing, though, one of the good things, though, about there's a lot of bad things, I think, about players, families moving out of those organizations. But one of the good things, it's just fewer restrictions. So if you are a parent looking for a team or if you're a coach who is starting a team or has a team, I recommend the fewest people possible. So you could really get away, especially younger in coach pitch, if you play 10 at a time, just having 10. Now, for me, you know, anything can happen during the weekend, right? You'd hate to get in the middle of a tournament and somebody get hurt. So probably you're looking at maybe one sub and that's it. When you have two subs and three subs, and I've even seen four, it's increasingly difficult to get everybody equal playing time. And let's be honest, at that age, there should be pretty equal playing time. I don't care who you are, where you play. I'm going to get some hate mail over this. There's nobody, quote, super competitive. I see this all the time. Come play for my seven-year-old travel team looking for competitive players looking to take it to the next level. Really? Like, we want to win every time we step on the field, but we're really just trying to get better, teach the game, and learn some life lessons. And so I'm, I'm saying 11 people max if you play 10. Now, as you get into player pitch, it's a little bit different. So when you get to maybe 15-year-olds and sometimes 14s, you'll have guys that only pitch. Or it becomes more competitive and it is more about winning. And so maybe you have multiple guys who actually sit the bench and so they may carry 14, 15, 16 guys on a roster. Uh, but that's expected. That's communicated early on. And those guys that are only going to pitch or only going to play in certain you know, spots uh, or situations usually know that ahead of time. But when you're in nine-year-olds and 10-year-olds, I really follow the same rule as the coach pitch. If you play nine at a time, you really only need 10. Now, you may could have 11, but you still, you've got two subs, and it becomes increasingly more difficult to get everybody playing time. And I'm sorry, you shouldn't be sitting guys on the bench over and over and over at this age. You just shouldn't. Again, I may get some hate mail, but you either need to get new kids on the team that can contribute on, on, a, on a somewhat equal basis or if I'm those parents and, and to those kids, then I'm finding another team. Because so many times the kids who are maybe not quite as developed, they don't throw as hard, they don't run as fast, they don't hit as much at 9 and 10, they're going to be better athletes than those other kids. I, it, it, there's so many stories I would take. It would take 5,000 episodes. I just saw a story. Um, I might have mentioned this last week or two weeks ago. Um, I just saw a story on Facebook where growing up, this kid, the mom was posting in, in the baseball mom's Facebook group. There's like 40 or 50,000 members of that. And she posted that her son growing up was always in the bottom one or two on the team. He kind of got picked on. He didn't get to play the, the best positions. But as he got to be a teenager, he grew and he became more athletic and he became interested. He wanted to compete. You know, early on, he just kind of wanted to be there with his friends and hang out, and that's okay. But guess what? Two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever it was signing day, he signed a Division One college scholarship to play baseball. And that's not just a, a, a kind of a, a one story. Guys, it happens over and over and over. And I'm actually – I've reached out. I'm trying to get this mother on the podcast. I'm, I'm, I've got a couple other contacts where I'm going to start interviewing parents who have kind of been there, done that. Because that's the whole premise behind this show and my newsletter and the entire Elbow Up initiative and effort. 
it's not for me to sit here and say I'm an expert on everything. You should do what I say. It's to say, hey, I've lived this. I've done this. I've made every mistake that you and others are making. And so I just want to share that so maybe you don't make the same mistake. And if I can get other parents and coaches on um, to help share their stories, I'm hoping uh, that that will change some approaches for, for those of you listening. I get emails and I get Facebook messages every week. And I just got one last week asking for some advice on how to leave a team um, and if it was time because they felt like the coaching staff was so focused on winning and chasing rings and trophies. They weren't getting kids moved around to different positions. And we're talking like nine-year-olds. So, you know, they had the same guy playing shortstop all year long. They had the same guy playing first base all year long. The same four pitchers pitched every single tournament and were throwing 100 pitches. And it was kind of like, you know, this – I've been, they even said, I've been listening to you over the course of a few months and my husband and I have been talking and I just don't know that this is really the direction we want to go. So getting back to team size, the more kids you have at these younger ages, the harder it is to get everybody experience. You've got to have practice time. You've got to work on individual skill. You've got to have team practice, but you've got to get some experience. I, I, I hear all the time people say, well, he, he can't play second base. Well, no, yeah, he can't play second base. He never gets to. How many times have you put him there in practice? And I'm not talking about in BP where there's live balls coming at him for the first time. How many times has he lined up and taken ground balls? How many times has he taken a, a, a double play ball at second base from the shortstop or from the, the third baseman? The answer is more than likely never. But yet you don't want to put him in the game because he doesn't know how. Well, duh, he doesn't know how. Like he's never there. But it doesn't mean he can't. Like what about what about you – at your work. And so you do what you do every day. And now your boss says, Hey, I need you to do something totally different. Are you going to be an expert the first time you do it? No. The guys that are really good at shortstop are really good because they've been playing it since they were five and six. So they probably were the better athlete. Maybe they were the coach's kid. They could throw, they could catch. That's, that's okay. But the reason they're there is because they practice it. They play it. And so if you're never going to put anybody else there to practice it, they're never going to be able to play it to the standard that you expect. So this is so I'm challenging you here. You don't need 12 or 13, 14 guys. You need to move the guys you have around in the right situations, get them the experience, expand the versatility of each player, and guess what? In turn, that that makes your team more versatile. That makes your team able to move guys around. You're going to be crushing teams if you've got three guys that can play every position solidly that just doesn't exist at the younger ages and I don't think everybody should play second and everybody should play short but you've got to have multiple people it becomes more important that you do that as you get into player pitch because what happens typically you know your shortstop is your better athlete your best player um, and then 10 they tend to also be maybe one of your best pitchers so what do you do now when your shortstop comes into pitch? Who do you put it short? You know, we, we've run into that a little bit where I'll just – it's funny, every week the head coach in our team, he texts me or calls me. He's like, oh, Kevin's giving us homework. Uh, and I'm really not um, – It's a, we have a very open team where we talk and he asks feedback. This isn't like I disagree with anything necessarily. But, <clears throat> you know, I don't even think we probably do that good of a job. And, and it comes down to practice. We can't throw guys in at shortstop for the very first time in the middle of a tournament. But we've got to get them in, in reps in practice. 
The other thing is when you have more people, the harder it is to get those reps in practice, right? It's harder to get more swings. It's harder to get more reps in ground balls if you have 10 versus 12. And you think, well, that's just two more people. <clears throat> two more people is a lot. If you've hit batting practice as a team, you know, you spend five to 10 minutes on a person. Now you've got 20 minutes where you could have given somebody 40 more ground balls. And it's the same thing if you're trying to rotate guys in different positions. One or two players makes a big difference. So really the, the gist of, of what I'm trying to say is you need to have the fewest players possible. And getting outside of these restrictive organizations make that much. I mean, in, in select or travel ball, you can pretty much pick up anybody you want. As long as they're the right age, nobody really cares. So if you play nine, if you're in player pitch and you play nine at a time, and you carry 10 guys on your roster and somebody has to go on vacation, just pick somebody up. Just pick somebody up. There, there's, there's always going to be somebody in your area. There may be some more rural areas that there's just not as many kids, and if, the, if that's the case, I get it. And there's always outliers. Almost every time I do one of these episodes, I get an email, and it's like you just called out the one exception. There's always exceptions. There's always going to be the time. Maybe, maybe, maybe your team just wants to have fun. And you carry 14 guys because you want to rotate vacation days. And, and you know, every, every week, two different players take off. That's fine, too. I don't care. Like, that's an exception. Most, people, most teams don't do that. It's probably not a bad idea, honestly, to give guys a break, let them go spend time with their family. But you've got to have a right-sized team to maximize development. You want to maximize playing time. You want to maximize reps in practice. If you can't maximize those things, you're not going to get better. And I and I, it's funny because I think a lot of times we say, "Well, we don't want to we 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 don't want to move this guy to that position." You're making the more guys you can move around, right? So the more you work in practice, the more reps you give, the more versatile they become, and then you can move them around in a game. You actually become a better team. Trust me when I say this. Because I've, I've now had two sons to, to make the transition from 8U to 9U. And both sons played on the best team around here in 8U. It wasn't even close. And guess what? We get to 9U and we're like, oh my gosh. And there's always something we forgot. And the biggest thing that I've seen is that we don't have enough guys who can play in different positions. Now that's okay. I mean, they're going to learn. I'm just saying we can help it. You can help it. If you're eight right now, maybe you don't put another guy at shortstop in a game, but you better be giving them reps at practice. Three guys minimum. I'm actually going to do an entire episode on this, but I don't really understand the race to play in tournaments every weekend. You know, back in the day, one of the things I liked about rec ball was – you just played games. There was no trophy. And you had an end-of-the-year tournament. Maybe you had a, We actually had a mid-year and an end-of-the-year tournament. So you could technically get two trophies a year. And then, you know, every team at 5, 6, 7, 8 used to get a trophy at the end of the year from their coach at their team party. Okay, that's fine. Why do we chase trophies every single week? Like, seriously, I want somebody to answer, why do we play in tournaments every single week? I've not yet found a good answer. It's like, well, that's because that's what we do. I, I hate that answer at work. I lead at large organizations, and 
when I ask questions and the answer is that's how we've always done it. That just goes all over me. It's the same thing. Why, why do we do that? If you need more reps, then don't play in a tournament this weekend. Call that crosstown rival and say, hey, can you, you want to play a two-game series at our place this weekend? Let's go rent a field. Call two other teams and have a three-team round robin. No trophy. You split the cost of the field. You split the cost of the umpire. You move people around. You talk to the coaches ahead of time. Look, I want to win, coach, but I'm going to move guys around. I'm going to see what I have. I want to give Johnny a chance to play shortstop. I need him to put him. I need to put him there for three innings, not one. I want my my fourth string, my my backup, backup, backup catcher to catch. Like, why can't we do that? I, I don't understand. We're going to get a whole new episode on this, guys. It's coming because I'm passionate about this one. I don't understand it. It makes no sense. But if you want to get more reps, that's what you have to do. Think outside the box. It's not going to happen an hour a week at practice. Think outside the box on how you can do that. All right, so I got a little on my soapbox there, but the end of the day, the purpose of this episode is really to – encourage you to think about team size as it relates to player and team development. It's not helping anybody to have too many guys sitting there. You know, you have kids that are unhappy. It's hard to manage during the game. You've got parents unhappy. They start talking. They start second guessing. You're trying to move people around. You know, you plan out maybe the whole five inning game and then something happens and you have to scrap it. Um, just have the minimum number possible. It doesn't, I'm not, don't go tell everybody I said, if you play 10, you should have 10. You know, I'm kind of a one sub kind of coach, I think, for the young guys. I just think that it's so easy nowadays to pick up a sub or a, a pickup player for the weekend. There's really no need to carry extra players on your team. That's it for today. Listen up, though. I've been talking about this for several weeks now. Later this week, I will have my youth offseason throwing program available as well as a couple of other resources. If you are a premium subscriber to the Elbow Up community, you'll get that at no additional charge. I'll send you an email on how to access that. If you're not and you want to be and you should be, then you need to go to www.getelbowup.com slash subscribe. If you just get to the website, again, that is www.getelbowup.com. You'll see the subscribe button. But um, $6 a month or 60 bucks for the entire year. If you're a coach, you got to have it. I've got additional podcasts each week. Got some cool interviews coming up with actual MLB players. I've got some former college guys, a first-round draft pick, uh, former MLB coach's son who is now a who played in college and is now a youth coach himself. Some really cool things. A college Division One college pitching coach. That's just the beginning. So you don't want to miss. Some of that will be available to the public. Some of that is going to be for premium subscribers only. Um, but if you're not a premium subscriber, I would encourage you to check that out. Join the community. Just help make youth baseball better. Either way, whether you're a premium subscriber or not, you'll get an email later this week. Probably will go out either late Thursday or Friday morning uh, with information and instructions on how to get those resources and really kind of next steps for the Elbow Up community. We've had tons of involvement and listens and, and uh, email subscribers. It's just great seeing the community grow and actually getting the feedback and seeing the impact that the community is making on youth baseball. All right, that being said, I hope everybody has a safe, healthy, and happy Thanksgiving. And look for the email from me Thursday or Friday, and I'll see you back here next week.